text for the sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, which was read to you earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I don't know if any of you know this, but I like Marvel Comics movies. I know this is a total shock to some of you. And there's a rumor there's like a small movie coming out on Thursday night. It's called Avengers Endgame. Well, anyways, to pick catch up to it, I've been watching through the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. In fact, last night I watched the, the first Avengers. And you know what? I've seen that so many times that I still enjoy it. Now, I bring that up because here we are on Easter. We hear the same reading that we hear, the same reading is heard every single Sunday, every single Easter Sunday throughout the years, John chapter 20. And I'm going to tell you, as cool as the Avengers are, and I guarantee it, I will be there Thursday night on, you know, down in Denison. As cool as that is, the story of John 20 is so much more amazing. Now, consider everything that has happened. So, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. But before all this has happened, you had Good Friday. They watched their Savior brutally tortured and brutally put to death. As we have said throughout our Lenten series, you have heard that God was beaten, God was, was, was exposed, God thirsted, God was beaten, God was killed, he, God hungered. We heard of the anguish that Jesus endured. On Friday, at good, on the Good Friday service, you heard through the sermon that Pastor Salcedo preached this huge list, laundry list, of what Jesus endured on the cross. They watched him die the most, convinced, the most convincing of death. The Romans were very good and effective at killing people. There was no doubt that Jesus was dead. There is no as they called it, the swoon theory nowadays. There is no faking it. They drove the spear into his heart, and out came blood from his heart and water from the cardial sac, which fills up with fluid during crucifixion. He was dead. He, the one who Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, is dead. How could he be the Christ? How could he be the Messiah if he's dead? Imagine the grief and the sorrow they would have had on that, first, that Saturday. As they sat there sitting there thinking, what happened? How is he dead? How could he overthrow the Romans if he is dead? And, then, and so Mary Magdalene comes that morning before the sun is up, just like you came here before the sun is up. That's part of the reason of a sunrise service, she comes to anoint the body. And so she comes to the tomb, and she sees something pretty startling. And by the way, it's not just Mary Magdalene. The other Gospels tell us there were other women with her. John just chooses to mention Mary Magdalene. But Mary Magdalene comes, and she's, first off, they're worried Who's going to move the stone away? Because the stone is extremely heavy. So she is surprised. They're surprised to see it has already moved away. And they see that the body is gone. 
And immediately her first thought is, somebody has stolen it. Somebody has taken it. And so what she does, she immediately runs and tells the disciples that the body has been taken. She tells Peter, and Peter and John hear it, and John being 15 years old, Peter probably in his 40s, guess who wins the race, the 15-year-old. So John gets there before Peter does, but because John respects his elder, he stops and lets Peter go in first. And they look in and they see the tomb. It is empty, just as she said. But there's something a little odd. The face cloth is folded. Now that's kind of weird. Because that kind of rules out the whole idea of a grave robber. Because they understood grave robbers, people steal corpses for whatever reason. So unless we're dealing with the, like the Adrian Monk of grave robbers, if anybody gets that reference, severe OCD, they're probably not going to stop to take the time to fold the laundry. So, more likely that we are dealing with probably, maybe they're thinking maybe it must be the soldiers, maybe the Romans or the high priest or the Pharisees. Somebody took the body maybe to mess with their heads, to just make their anguish even worse. I mean, could you imagine? After, after having a funeral for somebody you loved and you went to visit their grave and that body was missing, how distraught you would be trying to figure out what has happened to this body. Trying to figure out what have they done with it. Peter and, Peter and, Peter and John, they leave confused. I mean, what would you be thinking? It's like, what could you think? It's like, what could we do? I mean, the people who they're thinking took it are much more powerful than, than them. So what are they going to do to them? Mary Magdalene stays right next to the tomb. And she is just crying. Her eyes are filling with tears. And she sees these, these two men that are in there. And they say, woman, why are you weeping? Now I have to put this, I have to mention this. When they said woman in the first century, that was a way of saying, that's like saying miss or ma'am. So no, men, is, this is not your excuse to call any women woman, uh, unless you want to get slapped. If you really want to get slapped, then go ahead, do it. But in that day, it was a term of respect. It's saying miss, ma'am, madam. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. I mean, think about just the anxiety of this. You know, how anguish she is. And so her eyes are filled with tears. And she is in a graveyard, and this man comes up to her. And because she's in a graveyard, the person she expects to come up to her is a caretaker, a gardener, somebody like that, because... Obviously, he's not wearing any, you know, military guard, anything too official. So that's who she's assuming it is. And her eyes are filled with tears, so she can't see completely clearly at the moment. And so there she is, weeping. And he says, again, 
Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she says, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And again, her... I mean, you've got to understand how, serious, how much Jesus is to her. This is a woman who... First off, Mary Magdalene probably was not a prostitute. That's a myth that has been passed throughout the centuries. But we do know from Scripture that she was possessed by a multitude of demons. So Jesus, so she was her life was a literal living hell until Jesus came and cast out those demons. This is why Jesus. And Jesus became, was, is her teacher, her Lord. And so having him dead obviously filled her with anguish. And so this man is asking, whom are you seeking? And she says, Sir, if you have carried, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And then in a moment can't help but think of one of Jesus' messages when he said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they listen to me. Because she, in that, this moment, heard her shepherd's voice. Could you imagine this? This is, by the way, you know, talking movies. No, but I honestly have not seen yet some, a movie that's actually truly played this out. How dramatic this really is. When she, he said to her, Mary, and she heard that voice, and instantly it clicked. She knew all right at that moment, hearing the voice. Wait a minute. Jesus told us all this time that he was going to be crucified, he was going to die, and he was going to rise from the dead. None of us got it. None of us listened to it. Oh, he, he was telling the truth. It really happened. Here he is. He's risen. This is, you know, the light, turn, the light switch turning on. And boom! She jumps up and she... And we know that there's a Greek word a little bit later that lets us, kind of gives us the hint that she grabbed hold of him. She hugged him like none other, ne never before. And the, you know, people have heard me. I've given this analogy before. But the best analogy I could think of Think of all those videos on YouTube or anywhere on the internet. Think of when a soldier comes home from battle. And I'm talking about when they don't know it. You know, it's kind of, you know, you know maybe it's a cheerleader or um, somebody's at a game or something like that. They're, they're doing their normal everyday stuff. And the soldier was off at war. Specifically somebody who's been in combat. And they're doing their thing and all of a sudden... There they, they are. And they go and they run and they hug them and they brace them like they never want to let go. That is the best I could give you. Because Jesus was actually physically dead. Killed like a, like a murderer, like the worst of criminals. And there he is, risen. And she did not want to let go of him. This is why it says... Our English translations always get this one wrong. They always say, do not cling to me. That's not, I, I don't like that because it sounds like Jesus like, ooh, don't touch me, you. 
the, the Greek, somebody does not know, they didn't work on their Greek voc- um, grammatics. He's saying, stop clinging to me. In other words, or stop clinging to me, what he, why he's saying this is, Mary, I have other things to do. You've got to let go. I know you're happy. Let go. And not to mention, Mary is going to have a very important task. She is going to go tell the disciples that he has risen. See, I bring all this whole, everything that I'm telling you, this is all a story. But here's the thing about stories. Just because something is a story doesn't mean it's fiction. For example, if anybody was here at Good Friday, I could tell you a story about why there was two strepitises. Because when I went out, went through the back there, um, I did not notice the black cabinet door was open and I ran into it. So <laughs> that's why there was two strepitises. Just because that's a story doesn't mean it did not happen. See, the events of what makes that different from the Avengers, as far as I know, there has not been an alien invasion on New York yet. So, but this event happened on April 5th of 33 AD outside of Jerusalem. That is the approximate date when this happened. This happened in history. You could go to the ground where Mary was, where she embraced the risen Jesus. And note, she touched him, she embraced him, which means this is a physical, bodily resurrection. This is as real as that, this is as true of an event as the Cubs winning the World Series, which I know that sounds incredible 10 years ago. But the fact that they won the World Series, it's as true as, what, as September 11th. It is as true as Vietnam, and it is true as George Washington was the first president of the United States. And yes, there is an abundance of evidence. The Bible itself can't question. How many books, are, how many books is the Bible? Is it one? No, it is 66 books. It's a collection of books, not one. We, it is a book, but it is, it's also a collection of books. That's why when people, oh, the Bible's just one source. Wrong, it's 66 sources. So, and that is incredible. Nothing else of antiquity has that much detail of histor- historical events as we have in the New Testament, and that's not counting all the writings of the church fathers and all the writing, and all the, even some of the extra biblical stuff. The man, behold, the man that we have been talking about throughout Lent, Behold the man who was on the cross. Behold the man who stood before the crowd, who they shouted, crucify him. Behold the man who died very, very much so. You cannot fake a crucifixion death. Behold the man who is risen from the dead. And see, that truth should fill us with the same joy that Mary had. Because... In our community, if you haven't noticed, we are an aging community. We have a lot of funerals in our community. In this congregation, we have one to two funerals a month. At least we have for the last couple of years. That is a lot, in case you don't know. I talked to some of my, I talked to the pastors in Ankeny, and they're like, we get four funerals a year maybe. And they have more members than we do. But that's because Ankeny's a young town. 
We are surrounded by death. We are surrounded by the consequences of sin. But see, when Jesus rose from the dead, that was a guarantee. Now I want you, okay, touch your arm, grab your arm. You feel it, you can go over your, your nose, your ear, your choice, your own, not someone else's. Okay, you've got a body, right? I'm going to tell you something. This body that you have, that body, when Jesus rose from the dead, physically, that was a guarantee that the very flesh and the very body you have will rise from the dead. It is a guarantee that death is defeated. It is a guarantee that sin is defeated. It is a guarantee that the devil is defeated. And it is a guarantee that your body will rise from the dead. It means that the cemeteries, it, I don't know if I got the right directions, but the cemeteries, the Catholic cemetery, yes, Catholics are Christians too. So the Catholic cemetery or the cemetery over there, Every one of those who died in the faith, who died confessing what we confessed at the beginning, that God, God the Father Almighty, that Jesus Christ is true God, that he rose from the dead, believes in the Holy Spirit. Everyone who confessed that, those bodies that are in those graves, those specific bodies will rise up stronger, mightier than they have ever been. That's pretty awesome. You know, we confess the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. That is what it's promised. That's what Jesus guaranteed. That he's going to go through the graves and he's going to tell you, wake up, wake up, and you will. There is no greater victory. There is no greater truth in the whole world than that Jesus rose from the dead. Because it means your resurrection. It means your victory over death. And so like Mary, we should be joyful every step of the way. And I know that is not easy. The world does everything we, it can to drown it out, to choke it out. And it's going to be very easy that as soon as you go home and go have lunch, it's very easy to put it away and forget it ever happened. It is... I mean, the reality is, this is, on average, most churches, next Sunday is one of the lowest attended church services of the year. That speaks to how quickly the joy can be ripped away. How quickly we let it drown out. And yet, even then, again and again and again, our Lord, behold the man, behold the Lamb of God, who has risen from the dead, who is inviting you again and again, come, receive my word, receive my sacrament, receive the strengthening through this world. Because I'm telling you, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, nothing in the world matters. Nothing. Everything is meaningless. But the fact that Jesus did rise from the dead, nothing is more important than it. It changes everything. Because when you are on your deathbed, you're not God, and you have to, you're not going to be thinking, boy, I hope I was really good at my job. I hope I made a lot of money. It's really not going to help. 
You're going to be think, may, may think, well, I, was, I did all these good things in my community, which that's fine. And you may even say, I had a whole bunch of friends, or I had a huge, you know, I, I was a really good father. And that is great, absolutely noble, wonderful. But you know what? Your works will not do anything. You may say that I was a star athlete or as a great musician, and it still won't matter. All you're going to say, all that's going to say is, are you going to be like Mary and say, Rabboni, teacher, Lord, master? Because that it is by grace, through faith, we enter into eternity. And what did Mary do when she saw that? What did Jesus send Mary out to do? To tell the other disciples. In case you don't know, there are many people who do not know of Christ, who do, who do not believe him. There are people who have not set foot into a church for, for a couple decades. They are people to whom you are married. Not saying you're a woman necessarily, you might be. But they are the people you are to go and tell Christ is risen. Alleluia! Christ is risen! May we shout that to the world that they may believe what we believe, that they may have life as we have life, that they may rise as we rise. To God be all glory, in Jesus' name.